As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 1. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. 2. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. 3. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. Say it with me. Should we do unison? I know, Aram, you like to stay away from the falsetto type thing, but do you want to do it? I want to do it. I know you want to do it. Aram, you want to do it with us? Yeah. Sure. Three, two, one. Mailbag. Dude, you suck. Me? No, Aram, you didn't do it. Just baseball show on Friday, September 8th. Jack, Peter, and the curmudgeon who refuses to go high. Um, We do have a mailbag today. Seven questions. Thanks to our questions on Twitter and Instagram. Peter, um, happy belated opening day in the NFL. Also happy belated Louisville-Murray State Day on the gridiron in college football. Um, Who are we brought to you by? We're brought to you by BetMGM, and this is the Just Baseball so- Show. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using code Just Baseball. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,500 back Ooh. in bonus bets if it loses. Not 1000 anymore, thanks to our friends at BetMGM. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. So, Peter, this is your and my first time talking this week because you guys had an excellent conversation with Pitching Ninja that is out. You guys should go listen to that after you listen to this. Or you stop us, you go listen to Pitching Ninja, and then you come back and listen to us. But this is our first time. It's Saturday or Thursday afternoon. This is our first time talking this week. And I asked, was there anything notable in your life that happened? Did you get a new camera? No, I didn't get a new camera. Does it look clearer? You look so crisp. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, your camera looks fine, too. Um, How's my Mariners hat looking? Yeah, it's fine. Aram, nice MLB Jam shirt. I dig it. Big yeah. time. Sweet merch. How are you doing? I've talked to you. Yeah, I'm pumped. Jordan Lawler is called up, so looking forward to that. Um, that's going to be that. something that well, it was funny. We talked about the wild card and that part of it. I'm not doing great because Peter and I had a whole NL wild card conversation. We're talking about. All of all of the trends of these teams, why the Giants are trending down, why it makes sense for the Marlins to potentially, you know, wiggle their way in there. Peter makes his Marlins case. And like, of course, like the second Peter is on board with the Marlins legitimately within 30 minutes, Sandy Alcantara goes down with that flexor strain uh, in, in his elbow, which just sucks. Um, so that part stinks. I'm excited about Lawler for the D-backs on the Marlins side. It, it's just it's really unfortunate because that guy deserves to be pitching in meaningful games. What about Jorge Soler also hitting the IL too for the Marlins? Yeah. Like the double whammy. Yeah. 
it, so, it is. And what's crazy is what do they do in that the, the game that night? Absolutely boat race the Dodgers. And now they take that baseball. series. Like it, baseball is so weird, but baseball. I'm more worried about it. And I know it sounds weird because you think Marlins offense, not that, not that great. Soler, big home run hitter. I'm honestly more worried about Sandy being out than, than Soler. I know Soler hits home runs, but like, I have to look at like when probability added and things like that. I'm really curious where he would stack up there. Um, he's been, you know, a big liability in the outfield kind of clogs up the DH spot. He's of course been really valuable and he's been a really good piece for them, but they're weirdly, I think it was something crazy. Fish on first put it out. I want to say they're like 14 and one, like something ridiculous in games that Soler does not play, uh, which I think is somewhat coincidental. But at the same time, like if that's a key piece of your team, you're going to really struggle without him. I'm more worried about Sandy, even with him not being, you know, the Cy Young Sandy, because Yuri's on an innings limit. Do you trust Braxton Garrett like in the playoffs? Like Lizardo has been a little inconsistent. That's probably your most trustworthy guy. Uh, like it, it's an interesting spot for the team to be in. I'm I'm fascinated to see how they play through it. So real quick, because I do want to go Sandy, then Lawler, then the mailbag. But zoom out to the macro. You just looked in the micro in the Miami Marlins, how that impacts the 2023 wildcard race. But we've spent a lot of time in the last couple weeks. Like it's not spread out over the course of the season it was boom de grom then boom mcclanahan then boom otani and now it's flexor strain for sandy alcantara so arm i know like you're incredibly frustrated by this and you did the deep dive and it's really like if sandy and cole are screwed then we're screwed as a sport and now yeah. sandy might be screwed so the floor is yours to just kind of doomsday this thing if if you feel like it's necessary yeah, oh, well, just okay. doomsday it right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm just gonna cry. Um, no, well, so first of all, it, it was 15 and one. The Marlins are without Jorge Soler in the lineup. That's from Fish on First, which Damn, is hilarious. Good trend. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I think they're 11 and 19 in games that that uh, Sandy started. But again, I, I I would Sandy gets the ball game one, and you live or die by that. And and I think he's he's kind of the heart and soul of this team. Like it, it that's the really frustrating part. But to to answer what Jack said, like that is the guy that's been the most durable in in major league baseball, arguably aside from Garrett Cole, like it's such a low effort delivery. It just seems like he's never tired and he can just go and go and go and go. And that was the guy that I kind of felt like might just be impervious to all. And I think I said it in previous episodes to, to what we think, you know, is, is generally what happens to guys arms. Uh, Fortunately, it it seems like it might be something that they can, you know, catch early and, you know, hopefully he can just, get back in, in a month or so. I think they should shut him down for the rest of the year. But yeah. if he can avoid TJ, of course, that's great news. And, and I think that's that's the goal here. But it's just really frustrating when your most durable guys in the league even now are going down. It's like no, nobody's safe from from Tommy John or, or or elbow issues or flexor issues. It's just it's just a really, really messed up part of the sport. Anything? It just Same. sucks. Like, what, just we sucks. just keep doing this over and over again. Yeah. It's like, what's your take now on this? Uh, star pitchers injury to their arm. I'm like, I keep fucking saying the same shit yeah. over and over again. That's what yeah. I was going to say. I was like, I could just regurgitate the same shit I yeah. said about McClanahan, but I don't really want to because it's Tawny or DeGrom or even Evaldi who's back now and then just got yeah. boat raced by the Astros. It just keeps happening over and over again. And I'm just sick of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick of it too. Um, something I'm not sick of is the big league call up and Jordan Lawler just got the call. Um, an emotional video from Nick Ahmed came around circulating. He's been a diamondback for 10 years. He's got eight years of big league service and Ahmed like, yeah, it stinks, but it was also time to make a change with Lawler hitting right around 400 over the last two weeks in triple a and Ahmed was OPSing 560. Like it wasn't good. He had a 260 OBP at a 300 slug, a 303 slug. So like, there needed to be a change made. Ahmed, I, I texted you guys last night, like sneaky backdoor to eight years of big league service because this guy has a career 664 OPS. Like he's been fully not good offensively, but we he's know like the, he wants like the he's like the Austin Hedges of shortstops. Yeah, like he hangs around and he won two gold gloves in the late 2010s. So so it works. And that bought him some more years that that sucked to see an emotional Nick Ahmed, because that guy actually has been a mainstay in Arizona since 2014 when he debuted. But time to make a change. And they are getting armed by your count, a top 10 prospect in the game, top five prospect. Top five. In the game. 
top five. And it, I think they're using him in a perfect situation here where I, I think they've pretty much said going out that he's going to predominantly play against left-handed pitching. And what he's going to do is, is start at shortstop and give you speed, give you good, really good defense there. And he punishes left-handed pitching. And that's why I think it's going to be, it's a quick bump for him. And I, and I do think like he'll struggle a little bit against hard throwing righties. If, if they you know, put him in that situation, but it seems like he'll predominantly be going against lefties. And since the start of the 2022 season. So we have now 196 plate appearances to work with here with Jordan Waller against left-handed pitching 373, 469, 708 slash line. I mean, that's just insane. He's with the ISO of 335. So this dude's just crushing balls uh, and consistently hitting lefties. And I think that's going to translate to the big leagues as well and, and give them a really nice boost. I'm curious, Arm, you've been doing this for a while and you were big on the Corbin Carroll train early, both Diamondbacks prospects. You ranked Corbin Carroll number one overall and Jordan Lawler ranked number four. Like when you're evaluating both of these guys, like Corbin Carroll hit the ground running so quickly. Yeah kind of what separates them two? Because maybe Jordan yeah. Lawler won't be the instant kind of 135 WRC plus as yeah. soon as he gets called up, then wins rookie of the year. But what's the gap between those two? That's actually a great question. And and I think the, the craziest you. thing is... is <laughs> rare. <laughs> Thank is, you. Thank you very much. Impact, as crazy as it sounds, like Lawler hits the ball in the air consistently, which allows him to tap into game power. But remember, like... The, the home runs in the Texas league and, and, and in triple a and the PCL like ball carries out there. I think he'll still be able to hit for, for above average power, but people really were sleeping in the minor leagues on, on what Corbin Carroll could do in terms of like exit velocities. His 90th percentile exit velocity was like 106 miles an hour. Like you just don't, you don't see that from guys of that size. Lawler's is more like one Oh two. And I would say that Corbin has slightly, slightly better contact skills but Lawler is extremely patient. So they have some similarities in terms of the athleticism. I don't think that he's going to be able to like impact the game quite as much. Cause again, Corbin just hits the living crap out of the ball. Uh, but this is still a guy that I think is going to be able to contribute in, in several ways, even if he's not raking right out of the gate, which is, I think they looked at Nick Ahmed and, and you feel like you put Lawler against lefties. You're going to get more value with, with Lawler than what you were getting from Nick Ahmed at this point. Real quick interjection here, and just to kind of wrap that, like if Lawler plays short against lefties and against righty, it's Perdomo at short. Geraldo Perdomo against left-handed pitching, 635 OPS. Against right-handed pitching, a 780 OPS. That's a good so platoon. It's a best of both worlds. It's a great platoon as you're in the hunt for a wild card berth. Wow. Um, all-star, all-star Geraldo Perdomo. All-star, fever dream all-star Geraldo. Forgot he existed, honestly, over the last couple of months. <laughs> They've had, okay, can I give you OPS by month real quick for Perdomo? Um, 1082 OPS in April, 676 in May, 755 in June, 682 in July, 663 in August, 542 in September. It's not an ideal April merchant. It's not an <laughs> he ideal literally graphic. wrote... If you put up Geraldo Perdomo on like a, a graph and it's just you he oh, wrote April. It. He just wrote April to an, an all-star merchant. Um, real quick aside before we get into the mailbag here, I, I texted you guys after Corbin Carroll hit his 24th homer of the year. And you said like people were sleeping on the damage he could do in the exit below department. The Diamondbacks broadcast after he hit his 24th home run this year said yeah, for a little guy, he's got some juice. Come on. Like, I mean, can we stop? I yeah. mean, like you see Jose Altuve and you're talking about little guys. Like, You've been watching him all the year, bro. Like, yeah. this is what he does. <laughs> that, that comment did feel like it was kind of their first time at the booth. Like, whoo, look at this little man. Yeah, this but is in reality, 125, hit- Bubba. Like, come on. Yeah, Not I mean, idea. this guy's hitting balls 114 miles an hour. <laughs> like... I, I like we yeah I, that that was a surprise that was a surprising call I I can't lie but I mean this guy's at twelve batted balls over over one hundred ten this year like screw the he's also not like five four he's not Altuve like Peter said he's five nine like that's that's an it's an average male it's an above yeah. a, slightly above average male he's a muscle and hamster. then athletically there's nothing average about him no it's a good point what if on the broadcast they were just like look at that average male. Look at how yeah. hard he just hit the ball. Look at yeah. that average guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look at generic more, dude. Is that more demeaning? <laughs> saying, look at that average guy like, over that. Honestly, little man. no. Which 
which is the craziest part. I think that's almost puts it in perspective. <laughs> like it's it's less demeaning. Look at that average. Look at that just generic dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mailbag. Um, we've got let's see. I think three questions from Twitter or X, and then four questions from Instagram. Thank you guys so much again. We always get solid you know feedback and and so many good questions being asked in these replies when we do put out the mailbag but very simple one from at carter kw11 on x who slash what killed the rangers lol it's a great question i it's like i love the lol i love the lol because the rangers i mean dude they are slipping and sliding right now as we stand at this very moment the texas rangers in the american league west they are, what, three games back at the division leader in Houston, Seattle a game back at the Astros, but the Rangers lost three in a row. They've dropped seven to ten. I mean, they're just sputtering right now. Like, I guess they're getting hurt, but they're getting some guys back. What's done them in? I think what killed the Rangers is exactly what made them so good at the beginning of the season. And what made them so good at the beginning of the season was the bottom of the lineup, the bullpen was producing, and they were getting good starts from guys like Dane Dunning and Martin Perez at the back end of the rotation. With the Rangers, the key players have been good all season long. Corey Seager is just having an historic season for a shortstop. Adolis Garcia is still driving in runs. Nathaniel Lowe is doing his thing, and Marcus Semien is the rock at the top of the lineup. But when you look at Josh Young going down, you look at Jonah Heim dealing with injuries. But really, for me, it's 7-8-9. Guys like Travis Jankowski, Leody Tavares, Ezekiel Duran. They were playing at an all-star caliber level at the beginning of the season. And then in the second half, when we've seen the Rangers kind of tailspin, they have looked non-existent. But then even on those games that they are producing at the back end of the lineup, they get a lead. And then it looks like the single worst bullpen I have ever seen. So it's like, if Nate Evaldi, if Max Scherzer, which they haven't been, at least in their last couple starts, like give them those great outings, it's done, right? Jordan Montgomery gives them a good outing bullpen blows it it's like everything that was working the bullpen was good the bottom of the lineup was great now the bullpen's been terrible the bottom of the lineup has been terrible and they don't their stars aren't just doing so incredibly that they can overcome that everything that made them good at the beginning of the year has fully regressed and now they look like a team who is on the outside looking in and might not even make the playoffs and now Adoli's going down you know, we don't know what the severity of the injury is, but it doesn't look good. And and that was really tough to see. Like, that's a guy that just loves to play baseball. Clearly, it, you could just see how pissed he was just smacking the turf or smacking the warning track when he you know, kind of started to realize how, how hurt he might be. Like, that stinks. He was jumping up at the wall, buckled his knee. Uh, and as as Peter mentioned, yes, the, the bullpen, you know, how, and I'll highlight how bad it's been of late in, in a second here. That's definitely been reason number one why they've fallen off. But two is like you can overcome some of the pitching concerns when you have the longest lineup in baseball. Like they had the stars, but like Peter said, they had a length. It was one through nine. It was everybody was hitting. And now it shortens because of injury. Some guys regressing. And all of a sudden it's it's you know a top heavy lineup. And then you look at the bullpen, and in the second half, in terms of F4, there's no bullpen worse. Negative 1.8 F4 is the Texas cool. Rangers. They have a 5.74 ERA, 5.74 FIP. Um it's it's just not going to play. Like that's worse than the Kansas City Royals and the LA Angels. Those guys those teams are both right above them. Like that's not going to work. And I I applaud them for trying. Like I think they saw the writing on the wall like hey, this pitching is that we're getting is not sustainable. Let's go get Montgomery, let's go get Scherzer. Let's go get Chapman early, but I don't know, man. I, I think maybe they also still kind of felt like they had a little bit more than they did with some of those pitchers and the way that they, they were performing in the first half. You know, they could use Cole Reagans. <laughs> the best pitcher alive. Very dead. Yeah. They could use I am a Should dick. We do another segment on Cole Reagans. I feel like we've only talked about him on every episode and it hasn't I gone. Think we're enough. running like and a I'm five like, Cole Reagan streak. I'm like being sarcastic, but I'm so obsessed with this guy. Every single fifth day, I'm turning on the TV, and I know it's a Royals game, and there might be other games with playoff implications, but I'm watching that man go to work. I thought thought the Hamels delivery comp was awesome. That looked so identical. 
Um, but yeah, just to like point to some exact numbers in the month of September, Semyon has been great at 1054 OPS in his first eight games. Seeger been good OPS in the mid eight hundreds, but Josh H. Smith is one for 13. Ezekiel Duran is one for 11. Nathaniel Lowe, three for 23 with eight punch outs. Like Robbie Grossman has a 686 OPS. So again, the guys that you don't buy the jersey of were great pre-All-Star break, and now they're starting to really taper off. So that's what we got going on. Uh, Question two comes from at Mangle Ethan on X. Who will be the top three players of the 2020s? This was actually a lightning quick assembly for me. Like I got these three names and I just ran with it. And like, I'm looking at it from a war accumulation perspective. Mm -hmm. And I went Otani Acuna Tatis so Mm -hmm. quickly. And I feel really good about it. So Shohei Otani, Ronald Acuna and Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't even care if Otani like dials it back on the hill. Like, I, it's fine. I, I still think that this guy, he is going to be the conversation in the 2020s. Before we are, um, before we get into our answers, I kind of wanted to run through since 2020, who do you guys think leads Major League Baseball in war from an offensive perspective? So mm-hmm. since 2020, I have the top 10 right here. The top 10 is fascinating, I, but who do I'm, you guys think is the top five? Mookie, Mookie. is in the top five. Mookie, Mookie is number three. Okay, Trey Turner's in there. Trey Turner's number five. Okay. Um, mm. Freddie Freeman, he plays all the time. Freddie Freeman is number two. Lindor. Lindor is number six. So you're missing missing one and four. four. Uh, We could do top ten, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ooh, Judge. Judge is number one in Major League yeah. Baseball in F4 since 2020 at 22.3. Freddie is at 22. Mookie's at 21. Judge got half that number last year. <laughs> yeah, he that's the thing. Played, he's been hurt. He's yeah. played 100 less games than Freddie Freeman since 2020, and he leads all of Major League Baseball in war. That's what defense does, man. And 62 homers. Yeah, and, and 62 <laughs> homers. But like, and like 18 backs. Defense to compliment. Yeah. You guys want me so, to run through the rest of the top 10 or you want to keep guessing? Yeah, well, actually, I actually have a question before we we get to that. Cause it's like we have three seasons now under our belt that I mean that's 30% of this question. So what's already happened is is part of it. Yeah. So there's some guys that are 30. Like I want to go young. I want to pick young guys, but there's some guys that are 30 that have been in their prime now for three years have three years of, of work now, you know, beneath their belt. And then now they're, they're still going to be good for another five, six, seven years. So that's why I like, I've maced you a little bit older. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, just running through the rest of the top 10, maybe this gives you an idea. So it's Aaron judge, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, mm-hmm. Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, Juan Soto, Paul Goldschmidt, Manny Machado, then Dansby Swanson. <laughs> That's lit. That, that is, is lit. I agree with you, Arm. I lean a little bit old, but then at the same time, there is a part of my brain that kind of wants to lean young. So the three that I thought of, you got to go Otani, number one. You two. just have to. I went Ronald Acuna Jr., number two. Number three, I went Julio Rodriguez. I think Julio Rodriguez, when you compare him to Tatis, I think he's as prolific a hitter. I think he's going to steal more bases. And I think he's going to play better defense in center field than Tatis will in right field. And Tatis hasn't had that great of a year this year. He's been great, obviously. But I don't think it really, truly compares to what Julio Rodriguez has done, especially just getting so hot in the second half. But I think Julio Rodriguez is a better baseball player than Fernando Tatis Jr. So I think I would go those three. Yeah, I'm mm. – because, yeah, again, looking at it, like I think Corbin Carroll is going to be 5-6 win player pretty much every single yeah, year. I, I forgot I about think. him. Too. I did forget. But I wanted but, but that's the thing. I, I think Carroll will be a 5-6 win player. How much better is Corbin Carroll going to get than this? Like I don't know. I don't know. Like I know it's just his rookie season, but – I feel like this might just be one of those cases where this is a guy who just kind of like got close to to what he's going to be right away. And and I think he'll get better, but 
again, how much better is he going to get than 24 home runs and, you know, 137 WRC plus and 41 bags? I just, I just don't know how much better it gets yeah, than it, that. So if you ask the Diamondbacks booth, they think he's just like a little kid that he's maxed you know, out. Yeah. So he's probably going to grow, right? Maybe he's going to the little boy. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I mean, I have to go Mookie, I, w- what he's doing right now. And, and he, he's 30. It's not like he's 35. I, it, it keeps me off of Freeman because while I do think Freeman's going to be good for another three, four years, maybe in 2028, 2029, he might, he might slow down a little bit. Um, so not. for me, it's, it's Mookie Acuna. And then J-Rod's right there. Like I think in a war accumulation standpoint, J-Rod could end up accumulating more than Otani, but I'm still going to go with Otani just because, again, like even if he's pitching at a – if he comes back and doesn't look as good and he's more like a middle rotation arm or whatever it may be, like he's still going to stack war and you know he's going to hit. I mean, this guy's been unbelievable this year. So that's the way I'd stack it. But Judge Judge is in the conversation. I'm just worried about Judge seven years from now or six years from now or even five years from now. Like, I'm just worried about that. I think he's going to give us three, four more really, really solid years. And then I wonder what it looks like after that. If you had to pick a pitcher, who would it be? Pitcher exclusive. So it's an impossible question. It is an impossible question. The battle of attrition. I'm going to say Strider. I think he's going to lead the decade in punch outs by a wide margin. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's piling on him right now because he's, you know, giving up home runs and whatever. And he does have the affinity for the blow up outing. Like he absolutely does. It's four or five starts where it's six earned in like two innings. But if you don't think he's going to, you know, improve upon that in terms of not missing his spots and commanding and and minimizing or slowing the meltdown, like, I mean, come on. He's still, he's still so young and so early in his career. Yeah. I think I think you got to go with a a Strider, but a sneaky answer would be George Kirby, I, just because I think he's going to be so damn consistent every single year. Like, and he might keep getting better. Like, this is a dude that walks less than one batter per nine, and I think the K's will continue to tick up slightly. That's the one thing that's kind of missing, as I'd like to see a little bit more swing and miss. But I could see Kirby just being that innings eater and being somebody that just continuously turns out. Uh, low threes maybe good really good years high twos over the next decade that's the thing like pitcher of the decade though i don't know if low threes high twos gets it done you like, go for a decade straight it might it might yeah. another guy who i think is sneaky logan webb that, that's that was the other name used to pump out years where he's like two eight to two nine and i feel like he's just gonna age like a fine wine just ground balls couple of pitches same thing with framber i Great know framber has had like tough kind of you know, blow up starts, but it's just so simple. It's, it's 97 mile an hour sinkers and it's a hammer curveball. Like these, both of those guys have not run into injury yet and please don't, but yeah. it's like, they've been super healthy. Just that ground ball type pitcher seems to just kind of whatever new offensive adjustments guys make. Maybe they're going back to the high fastball, all that kind of stuff. Just seems like those guys are going to age well. So sneaky answers, Webb and Framber. One more from me. He's three years late to the party, but Yuri Perez back half of the 2020s. Cole Reagans. Cole Reagans. (laughs) But I I would say Yuri Perez like could be that guy that just breaks out. It's like we're already talking about his Hall of Fame case by the time we hit 2030 and he's 26 years old. I like that one. Who a do lot. you think leads and who do you think leads in F four among pitchers since the start of the twenty twenty season? Cole, mm. he's constantly on the mound. Gosman. Five. Gosman, three. yeah, Fit Merchant, three. Uh, Fit, Fit Merchant, Gosman's three. Uh, I bet Nola's up there, isn't he? Four. Yeah. <laughs> Fit <laughs> Merchant number two. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Wheeler? number one. Wheeler. Um, one. Bang. Wow. And then two. You should. You should. Don't overthink Burns. two. Burns. Yep. Yeah. Dang. Good job. Scherzer well, at six, Sandy at seven, Luis Castillo at eight, Logan Webb at nine, which is pretty crazy. You Darvish at 10. Darvish. Um, yeah. Before, before we move on, who do you guys think are the five worst players by F4 since 2020? <laughs> you just clicked, you clicked the players. war button and switched I mean, it over. Hilarious. Hanser Alberto. No, he's not qualified. Ah, Darren. Oh, they have to qualify. Yeah. Like, what's like the, what's not... the qualification of plate appearances? Oh, Austin Nola. At... Austin Nola is qualified for sure. 
I don't see Austin Nola on here. He might, yeah, he's definitely just not qualified. How many plate um, appearances is, is are the this um, the last guy? Fangraphs. It looks like the lowest is about sixteen hundred. So about oh, wow, the minimum is about four hundred games. So like these are these are guys who have been playing basically yeah. kind of every day. I'll give you a I don't hint. Know. I'll give you a hint. Number one is the guy who's been put on waivers twice now by the Angels. Oh, Randall Grichuk. DJ Crone on there? No, he's not. But number two is Jerickson Profar. Oh, yeah, that's not surprising. Number about, three, uh, another Rocky, Charlie Blackman. Ooh, Chuck Nasty. He just can't but defend. He's F4, not. No, it's defensive not metrics. Defensive metrics murder guys in Colorado. I think they yeah, kind of yeah. get an unfair shake out there. I don't know how you can murder this guy, though. Yuli Gurriel is number four. Dude. I mean, singles hitter with no speed. <laughs> I can't watch this guy anymore on the Marlins. I can't I can't do it. Where's Avi Sayil? He probably doesn't qualify. because He doesn't qualify. Level. He might not qualify. But number right. five is Carlos Santana. Six is Andrew McCutcheon. Seven, Robbie Grossman. Eight, Tommy Pham. Nine is Nick Castellanos. Yeah, yeah he- but he's back. He's back, baby. And number 10 is Alec Bohm. Yeah, I mean, bad. I mean, Again, like we're talking about guys that went through a really- contact-oriented third baseman who can't play defense. Like, okay. Tuffy. He's been better, though, this year. He has uh, been better. Jumping to number three here. Um, and our last question from X. Um, I'm sure you guys go through these in the coming months, but just wondered whether you guys could identify some big trade candidates, maybe a hitter and a pitcher each, that are likely to move this offseason and where to cheers at calvin underscore medcalf on x um, our friend across the pond i met calvin in london he's the man um it had a good time we even we grabbed a pint after uh the london game he, he's he's one of the one of the good dudes out there big reds fan as well so excited for him he's watching some exciting ball but great question i'll i'll leave it to you guys first the pitchers well, I think he, term, oh, yeah no, yo, go ahead jack you got a pitcher i got a hitter on the top of my head yeah, pitcher's easy for me. Cease. I think Cease is on the move. Yeah. I think Mike Trout is on the move. I really do. I think he will be traded. And another guy who I think is going to be traded, and I floated this kind of before the trade deadline, more of a galaxy brain play, didn't really have any evidence, but then it ended up coming to fruition almost. We're not sure yet. I think Pete Alonso is going to get traded. I don't think the Mets are going to end up giving him this enormous contract. I could see him in one of these deals for prospects too. So if we're talking about big ass names, Mike Trout and Pete Alonso are on the top of my list. Yeah. I, those are way bigger names than I was thinking. I, I, I was thinking like Tommy Edmond type. I'm like, oh, I could see Tommy Edmond moved. <laughs> like, um, but no, I, I think Trout, it, I think we could either see it go one of two ways. One, I think it absolutely could happen. Two, I think it could be one of those things where they squash it immediately. And I don't think there's no in between, but he, he should consider it. I think the the Angels should consider it. So I could see that. I think Alonzo and, and kind of the rumblings that we've already seen and and iterations of trades that were already discussed, we mentioned on the show at, at some point. You don't do that with a guy that you're very, very keen on extending. Like clearly they they don't see the value in paying a first baseman of of his type i guess i don't know i find it surprising he's the heart and soul of that uh that fan base at least it, even if he's not a leader in the clubhouse i don't know if he is or not but clearly they haven't made him the captain they haven't like done any of those things that you know procedurally i know some mets fans have pushed for i don't know jack who do you have i mean cease was the name that immediately jumped to mind i've got another pitcher jumping to mind for for some reason like alonzo was the hitter that i think Um, But the other pitcher is Corbin Burns. And I feel like we forget that he lost Mm. his arbitration case this past offseason. And he was Mm. publicly pissed off about that. And if we know anything about the Milwaukee Brewers, winning doesn't mean much to them retaining stars. Look at Hayter last year when they were in a divisional hunt. And like they had a pissed off clubhouse like Devin Williams, who got promoted when Hayter got traded, was pissed that his superior in the bullpen pecking order got pissed. So I, I think that Burns, if the price is right, Corbin Burns could be on the move, especially because you've got one less year of control. So the yeah. two guys that immediately jumped to mind for me are Dylan Cease and Corbin Burns. One other name, I guess I wouldn't totally rule out, uh, but you know, I, I just think it would be crazy given what they gave up for him already. It's like we could see something maybe happen with Soto uh, and see how they approach that. 
or Ha Sun Kim because they're not going to be able to pay everybody. They're going to need to convert into some sort of assets. You know, I, I know that the farm system's regenerated, but we've seen more big leaguer for big leaguer trades. Kim's going to be a free agent after next year. And they've spent so much money around the infield, they're not going to be able to move Cronenworth's deal. Maybe if you can turn Ha Sung Kim into, into more pitching, uh, especially if you Darvish is going to miss more time, I could see them potentially doing that. Because if, if you're going to succeed in San Diego, it's with Machado playing like a Hall of Famer. It's with Xander Bogarts playing like a $300 million player. And it's, it, I mean, that's what you need. And it's Tatis playing like a superstar. It just hasn't come together for them this year, of course. But I, I think they need to shake it up. You're not going to be able to move those big money guys. I know Hassan Kim has been unbelievably good, but this might be an opportunity for them to sell at a pretty high price this off season. If they feel like they're not going to be able to extend him, because again, I, I don't know how they'd find the money for him at, at this point, especially when they need to address pitching. And, and that's something that they really need to focus on this off season. So I could see Hassan Kim being dangled a little bit, Damn. but arm, they can't trade their best player in Hassan Kim. Isn't that just yes. a hilarious thing? Yeah, literally like is Soto, their, their... Soto might be on the block, but not Hassan Kim. <laughs> kind of untradeable untouchable like, they call about players and they're like yeah we could potentially give you soto but kim kim's untouchable kim's yeah. untouchable another name i still think the guardians could end up trading shane bieber right? yeah it's just Especially if anybody's willing to yeah, yeah. Of gavin williams of logan allen of tanner bybee you got cal you got tristan mckenzie so you got five there and then they're going to probably continue to bring guys up Bieber could end up being expendable. I am so fascinated with what a package for him would look like. Because I bet you ask contending teams who rely on stuff plus models, like we were talking about with Lance, Bieber is not one of those guys. But he's been extremely durable sometimes, if that makes sense. Because he has these 200-inning type seasons, and then this season he's been injured. So it's like when he's healthy, he's going to give you a full 200 where some other guys, when they're fully healthy, they're going to give you 170. But if Bieber gets hurt, it's a uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird. It's like Bieber, for me, but I, I could say I, I feel like he's like injury prone, but but exactly. also not. Like his stuff is yeah. like diminished, and he's not. getting out, and he gets out <laughs> yeah. there, and he pitches with diminished stuff, and gets out. So it's like yeah, it, we'll see how he comes back. I, I'm I'm worried if he's down another tick, it it could be could be really hard to to be able to get anything for him. And I think teams might be a little bit nervous right now, given that he has the history he's been out you know, for the whole second half, pretty much. And I wouldn't give up much for him. Honestly, it's just too much of a question mark. It's a couple tough. of Orioles, a couple of Orioles, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander. They just have so, so much prospect capital. Maybe do they get a pitcher for any one of those? Just a couple more names just to, just to kind of put it on your brain, just yeah. to put it on your brain. I like it. Um, also, I, I saw a note, I think last week or two weeks ago, <laughs> at this very point, Hassan Kim is a 4.4 win player. Xander Bogarts, 3.3. Guess which one is playing shortstop? Like, Kim would have more war if he was playing short as opposed to second base. Like, this just kind of stinks. Yeah, Kim's the best player on the but San Diego Padres. Him 290 mils, so you got to live with it. Yep. Before we get to our questions from Instagram... It is fantasy football season. Football read on a on a uh, baseball show. It's really exciting stuff. Fantasy football is here. We all run into this issue. You think your squad is better than your buddies. You're not in the same league. So there's the problem. You have no way to compete head-to-head. How can you take home bragging rights? Your solution is Verse Gaming. Their unique platform allows you and your friends to sync your fantasy football team directly from ESPN, Yahoo!, or Peter's favorite sleeper, and play head-to-head matchups against league mates. Even better, Verse will formulate gambling lines for your specific matchup. So if I'm playing Peter or I'm playing Aram on Verse, I can bet that I'll cover a four and a half point spread against them. Verse introducing a brand new element to fantasy sports. Just download the Verse Fantasy Sports app, and in just a few taps, you can start putting money down on your head-to-head matchups. Once you're signed up, you get a $20 referral bonus if you get your friends to sign up. And even better, they'll receive 50 bucks in promo for using your code. Verse is available in 23 states, including California, Florida, Texas, New York, and Illinois. For more information, visit versegaming.com or find them on your favorite social media platform at Verse Fantasy, V-E-R-S-E Fantasy. Verse Fantasy, you want in, Peter? Of course I do. I already clicked the link. 
I'm on verse. You got to be on verse. No doubt about it. I love it. Instagram questions? Instagram questions. Okay. So this is from B Wit B Rod, B W I T B R O D on Instagram. On Instagram. With pitchers like Otani and DeGrom getting their second Tommy John surgeries, we don't know that Otani is getting TJ or not just yet. Is a move to the bullpen for them a possibility? I can see Otani starting again because he's been mostly healthy, but DeGrom has had injuries to his elbow, forearm, wrist, shoulder, and back over the last three seasons. So we must. What's more valuable, a starter who plays fifteen or 10 to 15 games or an elite closer who can pitch in 70? Um, here's my really I- short answer. DeGrom starter, Otani probably starter, but he looked really good in the WBC as a closer. Like that could be the next phase of his career. Yeah. I really want to ask Walker about this. Like, cause I think the mentality of a pitcher, like a big time starter, like a McClanahan or a DeGrom or even an Otani, like they want to start. So just because they're shelved with Tommy John, like I don't think they'd appreciate or even buy in to being a closer and that's no disrespect to being a closer they make their money as big time starting pitchers right and you it's a business they can make 40 million dollars a year as a starting pitcher and they're going to make 11 to 15 as a closer or if you're the Boston Red Sox you sign Kenley Jansen to 20 million per that's a high move high bloom move you know sometimes things work sometimes things don't but if I'm a starting pitcher and I go down with Tommy John and my manager or the front office comes up to me and they say, hey, we might think that a transition to the bullpen might be good for you. Nope. Fuck that, dude. Fuck that. No yeah. way am I going to the bullpen, especially when you're a top flight starting pitcher. So we're like, yeah, we could come up with names that maybe could make sense and their stuff would tick up in the bullpen. But at the end of the day, no shot unless they are absolutely forced to. And if they're being forced to, their arm probably isn't good enough or healthy enough to even manage being a closer. So I think there's no shot any of these guys transition to the bullpen unless something crazy happens. I could see I could see Otani at the end, you know, just like a he also hits. Yeah. Yeah, like, and that's a super unique one-off. So that has nothing to do with anything you said. Like, Otani's a super unique one-off where it's like, if he still wants to throw and he's just not exactly who he used to be, like, you could still be really good out of the pen and just maintain your body at your later 30s. That makes sense. But to your point, these guys don't, especially nowadays, like, they just, you make so much more to be a starter. And I'm looking at, like, DeGrom, for example, his contract, he's making 40 mil a year. You're not paying a guy $40 million to go to the bullpen. And, and I, I understand this question. I think it was a good question because a lot Great of people question. ask it. But Super interesting. I, I think I think from the outside, like I didn't even really realize how averse some pitchers are. Most aces or frontline guys are to you know the idea of relieving because of what they've done their whole life uh, until recently. But you look at the, the contract for DeGrom, I mean, he has incentives built around pitching. Innings. So like built around throwing innings. If he throws 160 innings, a 2028 option turns into $37 million. And, and then that would be a player option instead of a $20 million club option. So there's things like that. He has incentives for the Cy Young. He has incentives for innings pitched. He isn't like he can make 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 more million dollars based on how, how he performs. And more importantly, how often he's out there. So Somebody like DeGrom, I don't see it happening. Um, you know, you can go highlight the, the the John Smoltz precedent when, you know, after winning the Cy Young in 96, he in, you know, had a couple banged up years and in 2000 makes the move to the bullpen and turns into a phenomenal closer. But Smoltz is a unique guy. He's he's a guy that I think may have also kind of saw the the writing on the wall at 31. And um, at that point, I don't know, he, he wasn't the same level of dominant as DeGrom. He was really freaking good, but I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit different. It's also 20 something years ago. So I don't know if the money was that different between starters and relievers at that time. I don't know. I have no idea, but that's the only instance where we have a Cy Young winning starter that has injuries and then makes the move to the bullpen. And again, like I, I just, I think guys would retire before they do that. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, like, and I don't think guys are going to make their decision on this. They're going to make their decision on what they can bring in financially on an annual basis and also what they're comfortable doing over the course of their career. And there are so many guys that have done both in their life 
check out their career starter reliever splits. They're typically drastically different. Like a starter, if you've got a guy that comes up as a starter, his splits out of the bullpen are miserable because this guy can't gear up for a ball game at five o'clock with a 705 first pitch. Yeah. Guys have their day scripted on start days. They have it scripted from the moment they get out of bed in the morning. And if you have to throw that off, things get out of whack. The other thing that I just want to look at from like a historical perspective, how many relievers are in the hall of fame? There's eight of them. Billy Wagner ain't even in the hall of fame yet. It's bullshit. I know. (laughs) So add Billy nine. Mariano Rivera, Lee Smith, Trevor Hoffman, Goose Gossage, Bruce Suter, Dennis Eckersley, Raleigh Fingers, Hoyt Wilhelm. In terms of one-inning relievers, Moe, Hoffman, Eckersley started doing it, and I guess Lee Smith, too. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And and the the last thing I'll say on on Smoltz is, like, he went back to starting. Yeah. He relieved for a few years, then he went back to starting because his body felt I was going to say that, Arm. I was like, he went back then again. Yeah, and and, and it, that could have been a myriad of things, like just trying to get to those 10 years of service time. I don't know if he was quite there yet, like just trying to stay healthy. Or maybe he knew it was going to be temporary, get you know, get your body right and go back. Who knows? There's probably a lot more things at hand there. But yeah, th- these guys, there's there, it's a pride thing. It's a money thing. It's what you're used to. Because again, yeah, to, to the point of Jack, a lot of these guys that move to the pen or or have to come out of the pen in the playoffs or whatever it is, like I know Walker talked about it in one of the episodes, he's like, I was so uncomfortable doing that. Like I wanted to try to help the Dodgers win as a rookie and came out of the pen and it was just really uncomfortable. And he struggled. Like it's, it's a different beast for guys. One instance I could see it happening, but I still think it's unlikely. So I'm thinking about pitchers with good stuff who have flash potential as a starter, but overall have not had that great of a career who are dealing with this type of injury, whether it's Tommy John or shoulder anything like that. Herman Marquez is like the one name that comes mm-hmm. to my mind where it's like, all right, he can touch a hundred miles an hour on the mound when he's right as a starter. Doesn't maintain it all that well. He hasn't had this great career as a starter. Could he potentially move back towards the bullpen and be a lockdown closer and potentially end up making more money because this stuff is so good. That's one instance I could see, but at the same time, I don't see that happening. But if it were to happen, he'd be the number one guy who I'd say. He's also not a star, you know. Like that's yeah, the thing. Exactly. It's like once you're not a star. once you're established as a star, it's like I feel like at that point you die on that hill, and yeah. you you just try to st- start until you you can't anymore. Yeah, I do think Otani is the exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah. he's just an exception to baseball history. To everything. Like we can't, we have no idea. He might just be a pinch runner. Did you know yeah. he's fast? Yes, oh, I did. Yes. Did you? Uh, I'm the first person who noticed. Yeah, you actually you first got the stopwatch. <laughs> Boom. It was me. Props <laughs> to me. You counted the sprint speed. Um, all right. Got an RM question, then have a Peter question. It feels like this is the RM question from R Garretson24 on Instagram. Does Jackson Holiday have a legitimate chance at being called up? Or will we have to wait until next season to see him in the big leagues? Let's say you. Yeah, yeah I've seen this question a lot. It's it's amazing what, what Holiday's been able to do, but I, I, no, I'd be floored. I'd be absolutely floored. It's not an indictment on Holiday whatsoever. And it's it's impressive that he's at AAA at this point. Uh, but it would just be it would be malpractice at that point. Like you're you're taking what was what would be such a positive year and uh, such such a good development for him and throw him into the fire, it would be tough. Like the glove is still coming along. Uh, he's getting acclimated to AAA so far. First couple games, he's he's been struggling through the first couple. And I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to be really good up there. But again, like this is a guy that's 19, still getting used to the to the glove out there, still filling out physically. And he he's a kid. Like he's not a grown man quite yet. Like you look at him comparatively, it's, it's different. He would be entirely overmatched, I think. And even if he like, we talked about it before, Jack, like, oh yeah, maybe he could fight to a 85, 90 WRC plus, like if everything goes right, if you threw him up there, but he's probably not going to defend that great. Uh, he's not going to hit for much power. He would probably walk and, and grind out at bats. I don't, I don't see it being possible because Joey Ortiz is a better, a better uh, option immediately. And that's not saying long-term, of course, Jackson Holiday is the number one prospect in baseball, but Ortiz is 
hitting over 300 in AAA for, with power, better defender at shortstop at this present moment. Like, there's no reason for Jackson Holiday to go up to the big leagues, just plain blank. I would argue because I, Holiday has really struggled in his first two games that he might be outside the top 30 prospects at this point. And agree, if he yeah. does struggle through the end of this week, we might be looking at Holiday outside the top 100 prospects in all of baseball. You got to stop no doing that. There's, there's people out there that don't detect sarcasm. <laughs> I was being sarcastic, guys. Were you being sarcastic? I was agreeing with you, Jack. Um, Aram, I have a question. Do you like his swing? And I know it's a very simple answer. He steps it's, out of the box a lot. Yeah, it's so not it's, a it's, great swing, at least in my opinion. But well, I'm, also, it, it, it I'm also kind of an idiot. So yeah, it, it's it's a good swing because it works, and like his hands are unbelievable. Like, unbelievable, and that's that's what really is impressive. It the lower half adjustability in terms of like yeah, he bails out a little bit but he holds the back hip and his hands can just get to kind of anything. I, I I think almost on, on the other side of it, it's like, this is not the most optimized swing in terms of getting every ounce of his power out and every ounce of consistency. And he's still this productive, but to your point, I think that would get exposed a bit more in the big leagues because they would run you two seamers in. They would really try to tie him up because sometimes he can drag through the zone a little bit. That's why you see the higher ground ball rate. Um, I think the swing is going to be money. But yeah, he he does kind of leave with the front side a little bit, and he still hits the way that he does. That just shows you how talented he is. I'm just watching Daniel Castano spin sliders against him and him stepping outside of the box, and I'm like, come on. Like, yeah, this is, these are not even 19. major league pitchers. He is 19, though. And he's also, it's so funny, like, look at Adam. He's got a major league body and a 12-year-old face. Yeah. And you, you could just dream on this kid all day long. But I agree, Arm, if, if he doesn't have a good, you know, it's, Thursday right now, if he's not hitting 300 by Sunday, we got to drop him below Dylan Cruz. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Again, sarcasm, everybody. <laughs> I, is that story true that he couldn't get into his hotel room because they thought he was like under the age of 18? <laughs> Did you see that? He tried so I would buy in. it. I would tried checking it. in at the I road saw that trip on Twitter. I thought it was just a uh, that was a rumor that just it might wasn't be a true. troll. I a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might just be taking the bait right now. But somebody brought that up. It's like, hey, did you see this? And I was like, mm. no, that was from accomplished journalist Dick Licker four twenty. I follow him too. He is <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. That guy, bend he over USA Today, right? <laughs> yeah, bend over. And huge jazz, um, huge jazz. All right, two more, Peter. This is a you question. Did the rookies save Cashman's job with the Yankees at Dino Fifth Street Gym on Instagram? Have you been to Real Dino? Real quick. That's my guy. That's my guy. I, I love Dino. The South Beach, they got a gym out there. Great place to train. Go check it out. But Dino's the man. He sat sat next to me on the plane. We just started talking Chicago Cubs. He He's a boxing trainer and like trained some high-profile folks. He's the man. Um, And I think worked with Muhammad Ali and – was Sammy Sosa's bodyguard? Like he, this guy's lived a life. So I was pumped when I saw the question came in from Dino. So uh, I, I love the question though. That's all you, Pete. That's a great yeah. question. This is a two-parter because talking about Brian Cashman's job, and then we're talking about the rookies. For one, no matter what these rookies do, I don't think he's getting fired or getting extended regardless. Brian Cashman at this point, and Yankee fans, I know it sucks. Because all of us, me included, want this guy gone, right? We have not seen what we expect to see from the New York Yankees. It has been over a decade since the World Series and then some. We're running on a decade and a half. But what Hal Steinbrenner is going to look at is, all right, Brian, this was a tough year. We've had 100 win seasons. We've gone to the ALCS. There doesn't seem to be that same level of George Steinbrenner-esque where it's truly championship or bust. And whether you agree with that or disagree with that, that's what it seems like. Because Brian Cashman was extended through 2026 after the Yankees got swept by the Houston Astros in the ALCS. One bad season is not going to make Hal Steinbrenner fire Brian Cashman. Could they maybe let go of Boone? Maybe. But I still don't think that Boone is going to get traded. I think if we're just comparing, I think, (laughs) what did I say? Traded. traded. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. too wild thoughts right now. But I'll take um, him to Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Trade him for uh, totally Russo. We'll take him back. Um, I don't think that they're going to fire Aaron Boone, but I think Brian Cashman is far less likely to get fired, regardless of what the rookies do in these first couple of weeks. Now, on the rookie side, are you, you got something for I? Well, I was going to say, you know what happened on December 5th of last year? 
four-year extension for Brian Cashman. Like, are you going to fire him after year one of a four-year and, extension? And no. and before you detail the rookies, it, it, for me, it seems like they're looking for any reason to keep Cashman around. So for the, the sake of Dino's question, I, I do think in, in some weird way it kind of helps because they're just going to look for any confirmation bias. Yeah. Oh, well, look at the way Dominguez is. Not only did they identify, but develop him. Yeah, look yeah. at some of these other guys, uh, what they've been able to do there. Like, uh, it, there's a positive trend coming. Like, don't worry. He, the, the mistakes are already gone. Donaldson's gone. Like, give him a chance to turn this thing around. And and uh, that that's what I feel like is going to happen. But I, I am excited to hear Peter's thoughts on the rookies, too. And another thing, Peter, I got to willingly compliment you on the point that Hal is not George. How many times did George fire and rehire Billy Martin? Like, a billion a toxic five. relationship. No, seriously. Like they hired and fired Billy Martin. I think five. back in I think the seventies or eighties, like four or five times, he was famous for going through managers like nobody's business. Like the fact that Joe Torrey lasted as long as he did was amazing, and it's because Joe Torrey just routinely churned out championship after championship. But yeah. if you went a few years without winning one, George would just completely let you go. This is not the same regime. You hear Hal talk and he likes to say that he's like his father. I don't think he's anything like him from a mannerism standpoint, from an action standpoint, like actions speak louder than words. Hal, you can say you're like your dad, but you're not even close. And yeah. I think that's why Yankee fans are getting so upset because it's like, Nothing ever truly seems to change with this team, even though they keep coming out and saying we're making all the best moves we can. Right. We signed Carlos Rodon and to their credit, they did sign Carlos Rodon. It's nice. just the problem is a lot of these deals that they brought in have not worked. I am not speaking up for Cashman. I think the Yankees need a complete reset, just like this entire decade has just been the same consistent heartbreak where it's like they look good then they falter and it's the three true outcome but moving on to the rookies and I'm glad you you touched on that arm like that was going to be my second part if those rookies shine through immediately it would look better on Cashman the thing is and it's so early but I took a three-week mental health break from watching the Yankees in the in the August when I just could not watch this team just trot out the same garbage lineup of the same veterans that we keep seeing every day that just weren't performing. But ever since September 1, when Jason Dominguez call, called up, Everson Pereira got called up, Austin Wells haven't missed a game. They're Jason fun. Dominguez is taking the other rookies on his back and dragging them into being like, famous i guess is the yeah. wrong kind of word to say but just that they're getting grouped in with jason Dominguez. Yeah. Dominguez has an ops over a thousand he's been awesome he's hitting rocket tanks now sometimes he looks overmatched been striking out a little bit but overall i mean watching him has been some of the most exciting yankees baseball that i've seen in a while the problem is everson prayer has not been good no Austin wells has been terrible well I, and I oswald Peraz is hitting 180 so it's like the other prospects, but again, it's so early. It's been a week, like, but they look completely overmatched. They don't even yeah. look close to what Dominguez has done. I'm I'm pumped on Dominguez because there were so many. Rep that was the most replies we got. Like, overwhelmingly positive with the top 100, but I, I would say the most like critical replies we got is like, oh, of course, like Dominguez in the top 25. Like, how are these guys still putting Dominguez aside? Because he fell on a lot of lists, but. I truly thought he was that good. And I think he's a big, he's going to be a big piece. He's their opening day starter next year. I think he's going to strike out a little bit. I think there is going to be some, some rough patches, maybe even at the end of this month, but great. Get it out of the way. Now. I think he's gonna have a great year next year. Like, cause he's already learning and already flashing what he can do. But I think we're going to see a lot of top prospect lists. Cause he might not graduate from them. Mm. All of a sudden you're going to see all of these lists shove Dominguez back up there. Like he never left. And, and they're going to put him up there going into next year if he doesn't graduate. People forgot that he is Martian and he is out of this world. Out of this world. And it is, I always just find that funny that he's standing next to Aaron Judge when Dominguez is 5'10", like yeah. 200 and something pounds when Aaron Judge is 6'7", 280. And it's like, which one's the Martian? Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's the shorter guy when Aaron Judge is like faster. Hits it harder by a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dominguez is just a well-rounded, really solid player. <laughs> like that's yeah. it's, it's so funny. 
no, he's he's been extremely fun to watch because you also see the speed in center field. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a plus defender yet, no, but he can but... get to balls out there. Like I think he could play center field, which mm-hmm. is it's a big ask for a guy that young. He became mm-hmm. one of the youngest Yankees to ever hit a home run, right? Like that's exciting. Pereira, I I hope he turns it into good. Yeah, it'll take time, but like that swing does not look good. He just looks completely overmatched in Wells. Not good. Doesn't look good at all. I, mean, I don't know how else to explain it other than like every single time he comes to the plate, like it looks like he has no shot up there. Yeah. All right. Last one from at Hodgkins Tommy on Instagram. Which players will be the most exciting to watch in the postseason this year? Mm. Rapid fire. I have my number one. Mookie or Acuna? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. <laughs> I am locked into every single at bat of him in the postseason when the lights are on at Citizens Bank and all those scumbag Phillies fans. I love you, Phillies fans, but they're so the good. Scumbags just screaming. I was just in Philly. Like these fans. Oh, yeah. They're they're scumbags and I love them. They're Dude. just gonna be shrieking and yelling when Bryce Harper is up. Oh, I cannot wait because the power is back for him. That's my number one by far, honestly. Phillies fans yeah. are turned- my favorite fan base in baseball. Seriously. You either love them or you hate them. I lean towards love. I love them. Ah, I'm trying to think. I mean, the obvious the obvious answer, I think, you, you look at a Ronald Acuna. I mean, just, just how electric he is and, yeah. and how just, just how much he brings to the game. That's a no-brainer guy for me that I'm just pumped to see. Uh, I, I, I could watch that guy hit bombs all day. Mookie's fun, but I don't know if it's like this – show-stopping guy you must 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 watch um i i would love i hope assuming the cubs make it i'm excited to see cody bellinger like that guy's come through for the dodgers and now seeing him come through at wrigley i would love to like i'm amped to see a playoff cody bellinger on a team that like you know with the dodgers yes he was the mvp he was a big part of what they were doing but those teams were loaded the cubs are solid but the cubs go where cody bellinger takes them in the playoffs in terms of you know offensively especially if that guy leads them, you know, and, and just goes crazy in the playoffs, there's going to be a special legend of of Cody Bellinger at Wrigley and, and in Chicago, and I would love to see that. So two Cubs that I actually want to ID quick because I was going to say Bellinger, but Christopher Morrell with the lights on for some reason, like mm. super sneaky, feels like he's going to get a huge bomb. And Justin Steele is going to get a bunch of Cy Young votes. We think he should be the favorite in the National League Cy Young, but – much like Gallon, the national audience really doesn't watch him much. Like, when is Steele on Sunday Night Baseball? Never. Steele could be introduced to a national audience here, and people are going to say, how the hell does 93-94 get people looking that stupid? And I think Steele can be really fun. The other one, I'm really excited to see what, if we if we get it, the best version of Julio Rodriguez looks like in the postseason. Mm. Yeah, I've won. There's a bad man in Houston right now. Jordan's getting hot. Yeah. He just hit a 420-foot piss missile to center field. They got in on his hands. Like, if he's finally starting to get the power stroke back, that is a dangerous human being to be in the box with the game on the line. Yeah. Jordan is up there for me. Um, I am excited to see how the Twins pitching staff looks in the postseason, I know that's kind of a weird answer, but they have been dicing lately and they're really extending that lead over the guardians. Like they could be a sneaky team because when the offense is rolling, like they put up runs, yeah. but when you go Joe Ryan, Sonny gray, Pablo Lopez in a three game set. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. So I'm going to be definitely tuning into the twins once they win this AL central. Cause that's like a sneaky team that we know. We do this all the time, right? And it's it's more you guys because I'd never believe in them, and now I'm buying in, which is dangerous because yeah. now they might either they might fully suck now. Last now all last one are. for me, last one for me is Royce Lewis. I uh-huh. just because he's finally healthy, he's playing out of his fucking mind. He hits a grand slam every week. It feels like that's a guy that always seems to just seize the moment, and he's been a big, big part of of the Twins' like second breath here, you know, down the stretch. So. I would love to see some big stage Royce Lewis, and he deserves it. He's just he's come so far. Uh, I, I hope he can stay healthy and and play a part in the postseason. Another pitcher, real quick, 
Who am I thinking of? American League. Kirby. Kyle Bradish. No, but close Aram. Wait, I was Grayson. actually close. Oh, Grayson Rodriguez. I want to see Grayson Rodriguez make a playoff start. Very eager. I was going to say the same thing about Adley. I want to see some Buster Posey in him in the playoffs. Yeah, but Adley, like, it's just going to be steady production. You know, watch and, like, this guy frame. Yeah, like, hey, let's watch this guy nab a runner. That'll be great. But, like, Grayson, when he throws 30 pitches in a ball game at 100-plus, mm. I don't know, man. Something about that guy, like, kind of going in a, in a much smaller way, like kind of going to hell and back this year with, with the option. Like, he sucked. He got optioned. He came back. He's been nails. And he's been, like, 99 to 100 on his 90th pitch of the game. So seeing Grayson in the postseason when he's sitting 100 miles an hour is going to be really cool. Bobby Miller's in that same bucket for me. If he's touching mm-hmm. 102 with the Dodgers, and if they get him, you know, with Arias, see what happens there. Bobby Miller could make a big impact this postseason. Or he could look like the rookie and really give the Dodgers troubles. I'll be interested to see that. 100 to 100. 100 to 100. Peter? That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed the mailbag. Remember, we always drop the graphic the morning of on our Instagram at Just Baseball Show or on our Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, just BB underscore media. If you enjoyed this show, we greatly appreciate you leaving a five-star review, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching this on YouTube, come on. You know you like the episode. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button and comment anything that you liked or didn't like. We'll be sure to fix that for future episodes or just comment stuff that you'd like to see from us. We're always open, um, especially with these mailbags. Best way to support as well is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch and support our partners, whether that be BetMGM, all you NFL, college football, and still MLB bettors out there. Tons of bonus bets when you use code Just Baseball and then Verse Gaming for all of our fantasy football fans out there. That's Jack. That's Arm. I'm Peter. We'll be back on Monday. And with that, thank you, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.